0: Good morning, church. It's good to be with you again this morning. Now, before we start, have you got your fork ready? You are probably thinking, why on earth do I need a fork for church? Bear with me all we'll will be revealed. So if you haven't got a fork handy, pop into the kitchen and grab one quickly. But for goodness sake, don't fall over and impale yourself on the way. I promise I'm not going anywhere. The other week at House Group, Tim was telling us a story that Venerable Bede records in his writings. It's a story that was recorded way back in Anglo-Saxon times. Now it was a time when missionaries were coming over to Britain to tell the Hamptons all about Jesus, to preach the gospel and to tell them the good news. And the story that I want to tell you about involves King Edwin of Northumberland and the missionary bishop, Paulinus. Now, Edwin was willing to hear the preaching of Paulinus, but he just wanted to be absolutely sure about it all. Um, and so he called together a meeting of his council, of elders and advisors, all the people who used to sort of give him advice and tell him what to do. And Paulinus preached to them. And one of the king's chief advisors, who was pretty astute, replied at the end of it all and made this observation, and I'll read it to you. Your Majesty, when we compare the present life of man on earth with that time of which we have no knowledge, it seems to me like the swift flight of a single sparrow through the banqueting hall, where you are sitting at dinner on a winter's day with your advisors and your counsellors. In the midst there is a comforting fire to warm the hall, and outside the storms of winter rain or snow are raging. This sparrow flies swiftly in through one door of the hall and out through another. While he is inside he is safe from the winter storms, but after a moment of comfort he vanishes from sight into the wintry world from which he came. Even so, man appears on earth for a little while, but of what went before his life or of what follows, we know nothing. Therefore, if this new teaching has brought any more certain knowledge, it seems only right we should follow it. And that is the whole point. As Christians, we should know where we have come from and where we are going. What is our destination and what path are we on? Now just like Stuart told us last week, this morning we're going to start a new series called The Path and it has its roots in the book of Proverbs. The aim of this series is to gain a better understanding about our path, our direction and how to get to where God wants us to be and what to do with our lives. I think it's going to be challenging and it's going to make us take a good look at ourselves and that's never an easy thing to do. I want right at the outset though to say that it's not about looking at other people's paths and saying, oh, they took a wrong turning there or, oh, well I could see that coming. No, this is about us, ourselves, looking at our own lives not others? Are there any discrepancies between what you want and intend for your life and what you are actually doing with your life? There's a world of difference. As I said, most of the studies are based in the book of Proverbs. Um, Proverbs sits in the Bible right alongside Job, Psalms and Ecclesiastes. Scholars often refer to these sets of books as wisdom literature. It might be good to point out that these books are called wisdom literature, not intelligent literature. There is a subtle but very distinct difference here. Intelligence means you know stuff, you're clever. What is the square root of pi and how many bones are there in the human body? And you probably have a string of qualifications way more than me but wisdom means you know what to do in various situations often wisdom comes with age from having seen how things work and how things don't work and through making mistakes always a hard way to learn anything now the proverbs that you read in the bible were mostly written by a very wise man indeed king solomon who was the son of david Now there are a few additions from other wise men along the way and some compilation work was done about 200 years later by King Hezekiah's uh, men but the sayings are primarily his. So let's set the scene for this series by reading the first few verses in Proverbs together. Proverbs 1 verses 1 to 7 The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the purpose of the book of Proverbs is set out very plainly in the first few verses, and it's this. To gain wisdom and instruction, learn about prudent behaviour, gain knowledge and discretion, add to things already learnt, and to give guidance. So those are all things you need really in a roadmap for life, aren't they? My first thoughts though on reading those words, and I apply this to myself just as much, are we prepared to be taught? Are we prepared to be taught? Are we prepared to accept instruction? Are we prepared to accept that we might be wrong in the way that we're thinking and in the way that we're living? And are we prepared to add to our knowledge and accept that even if we have been Christians for a very long time, there is still more to learn? Now, as Stuart said last week, um, the series that we're studying this week is called The Path. And the theme of this morning is that our direction determines our destination. The question I want you to keep in mind this morning is, what direction... Am I going in? What direction am I going in? Now, I know that some of you have been self isolating and haven't been able to go to the shops, but for those of you who have been going out, I I think you will agree it's been a very different experience the last few months, hasn't it? Our local Tesco has a one-way route marked out along the aisles um, and everyone is supposed to follow the arrows around the shop. It's all clearly marked out with yellow and black tape and arrows and things. Um, And you have to go down the vegetable aisle, past the sausages and meat on the right-hand side and then you turn the corner before you can get to the milk and go up the refrigerated aisle with the dairy products in and most importantly, the cheese. Now, some people will just insist on taking shortcuts and heading straight for the cheese without having first passed the parsnips, the brussels sprouts and the beetroot. It's just plain wrong. They need to go down the designated route. But it's a demonstration that some people will always choose to follow their own path, regardless of the advice that they are given, the harm it may potentially do to themselves or the harm it may potentially do to others. The people in Tesco have no excuse for going the wrong way. It's clearly marked. I, on the other hand, have every excuse for going the wrong way when I get into the car. I'm absolutely hopeless when it comes to a sense of direction. I couldn't tell you which way was north, south, east or west. Absolutely hopeless. It's been commented on for years in the family and amongst my close friends. Thankfully, I am married to the human version of Google Maps, so normally I'm okay. However, even I know, with my appalling sense of direction, that if I want to go to Scotland, I have to go north on the A1 and not south. I can intend to go to Scotland, but if my direction is south, I'm just not going to get there. In the same way, I could intend to get into a size 10 dress, but if I keep on eating all the cakes in the cake shop, it just isn't going to happen, is it? Just intending something isn't enough. It's our direction that really matters. And that's the whole point of what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's just the same in our lives as Christians. We can have all the best intentions in the world, but if our direction is wrong and we're going to end up causing ourselves and potentially others more heartache and more difficulty, aren't we? And just like the people in our local Tesco, some people will not listen to advice when it comes to their spiritual safety and their direction and path with God. They think they know it all. They don't need a God telling them what to do. or. They've been a Christian for so many years and don't need to be reminded of where they might be taking a wrong turn. Thank you very much. Proverbs has a lot to say about paths and destinations and walk in this life. Have a little look at some of the sayings. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's that word, paths. Then in Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Way is just another word for path, isn't it? Proverbs thirteen twenty: whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And this last one, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. In just those four proverbs, it seems to me that Solomon is saying, you think you know best about what you're doing in your life, but you don't. If you go down that path in your life without making sure that it follows God's principles you are going to get into bother if you would just follow me and my path i will guide you some of the paths that we sometimes take are those that we just know deep in our hearts are the wrong paths but we carry on down them ignoring all the road signs and the warnings along the way for example In Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon tells a story of a young man that is determined to have his own way and lead a wild life and spend a night with a woman while her husband is away. The chapter throws warning sign upon warning sign up along the path to her house, but the young man is so determined he won't listen. He ignores it all. Remember those verses we read. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, carrying on down that path probably wouldn't actually lead to this young man's actual death there and then, but it probably would lead to his future relationship suffering and a memory he wishes he could erase. We all have choices to make in this life, don't we? We can intend all sorts of good things, but it's the direction that we are going in that determines our destination. I expect some of you have read a very famous book called Pilgrim's Progress. It is a very old book, um, and it was written hundreds of years ago by a man called John Bunyan. In essence, it is the story of how a man becomes a Christian and how his journey continues until he reaches his destination, heaven. But the story is written as just that, a story with the main character being called Christian, and he meets various other characters along the way. And it's a pictorial way of viewing our journey with God. Well, at one point in the story, Christian and his friend, Hopeful, find that the holy way runs along the river bank for a time, but then it veers off into some rough road, which is very hard and they're tired and they're sore feet. They want things to be easy, not hard. They're tired and they're fed up, and then they come to a meadow and they can see a stile to climb over into the meadow. And the meadow is called Bypath Meadow. Now, they started to think, Wouldn't it be easier to go in that meadow? So Christian climbs over the stile to have a look. And once he's climbed over the stile, he finds a path there that looks like it's going in just the right direction. And he persuades his companion, hopeful, that they should take it. They make really good time in Bypath Meadow because it's so much easier on their sore feet. And the meadow is really pleasant, the birds are singing, the sun is out and there are beautiful flowers and lots of wonderful vegetation to see. However, things begin to go wrong. One of their fellow companions dies and then things go from bad to worse as the night falls and they find themselves well and truly lost. The direction they had been going in wasn't the holy way after all. Christian and Hopeful turn back, scarcely knowing where they are, and they meet great difficulties. It's now not only dark, but it's beginning to rain with terrible lightning and thunder. And in the morning, things go from bad to worse because they're seized by the owner of the meadow called Giant Despair. Further adventures ensue until they finally escape and head back to the stile that takes them back onto the right path Called the Holy Way. Now, just like Christian and Hopeful, if we get lost, we can nearly always pinpoint the spot where we took a wrong turning, can't we? And where things began to go wrong. You can think, oh, it was where I turned right and I should have turned left at that road, or oh, I took the second road and actually it should have been the first one that I should have taken. And I think it's the same when it comes to our lives. I know that I can look back at my own life Um, and remember decisions and directions that I've taken that I regret now. I probably knew deep down at the time that they were the wrong decisions but I kind of chose to push them to the back of my mind and keep those feelings of warning buried deep. Kept my conscience quiet, silenced the nagging doubt. Have you ever done that? It was like that with a character in the Bible called Jonah. He was asked by God to go to the city of Nineveh, but he really didn't want to do that. So what did he do? Well, the Bible tells us what he did. He ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He thought he could get away. Jonah was trying to run away from God and what God wanted him to do. And it was almost as if it was meant to be. There was a ship there ready and it was waiting to take him in the opposite direction to where God had told him to go. It was meant to be, or was it? He was justifying disobeying God and didn't he just pay the price for that? He did take that boat that just happened to be there. There was a storm and he was thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you don't follow God in his ways and you make some errors of judgment along the way, you are gonna be swallowed by a giant fish. I'm not saying that. But there are consequences for our choices of direction. It's very easy to justify our actions just like Jonah did by saying, Well, it must be right, otherwise the boat wouldn't have been there, would it? The person wouldn't have come into my life if I wasn't meant to be with them, would they? The job wouldn't have been offered to me if I wasn't meant to take it, would it? Now, about that fork. Do you still have it? Well, I want to show you a picture. I don't know whether you can see this or not. Yes, I know. It's just that little bit corny, isn't it? But I just couldn't resist. A fork in the road. My question is, what do you do when you come to a fork in the road? What direction are you going to take? Are you at a fork in the road of your life now? What direction are you taking morally? Are you trying to take the path that leads to God or one that leads far from God? Have a look at this. Are you trying to make a path of your own, right down the middle? That you think that somewhere probably will keep God happy, but he'll still give you a bit of control too? What direction are you taking with your time? Do you intend to grow closer to God But then take the path of more video games, TV, social media, instead of reading or prayer or spending some quiet time with just him. Are you taking the path of putting other more important things before him? And what direction are you taking with your family? Do you have every intention of bringing them up to know all about God and Jesus? but then you take the path of skipping church to go to football or dance practice. Or say it's okay to have one too many glasses of wine or let the odd swear word slip out because it doesn't really matter, does it? Does it? Do you show them that a life with Jesus is unique and special Even in the small things of every day, like saying prayers at bedtime, thanking him for the food at mealtimes, or the way you speak or react when things go wrong. Do your lives mirror your faith when your children and your family look at you? Now, she's okay now and we found her eventually, but our dog Molly got lost the other week um, and decided to go down a rabbit hole for nearly two hours. I was beating the brambles back with a large stick, trying to find where she disappeared to. And I rang James and I said tearfully that I'd managed to lose the dog. And he came and looked for her too. And so did Hannah. And I'd been on a a walk with my grandchildren and Pete. Uh, So they were there as well. And I was very upset. And so were the children. And Pete stood in the middle of the path next to a large field of cows, and prayed out loud for us to find Molly. Little Josh said to me, it's okay, Nana, Daddy is praying. Our children watch us and take in far more than we could ever imagine. What direction are you taking financially? Are you choosing a big career or financial deals that will earn you lots of money but won't give you the time you need to serve God at a time when he needs you. Are you justifying it by saying, well, if I earn lots of money, I can give it to the church to further his work. God doesn't want your money like that. God wants your love, devotion and commitment far more than he wants your money. I must admit, um, it's an area that's been very much on my mind the last few weeks. Um, As some of you know, I've been trying to find a job and in the present climate, that's not been easy. There have been several forks in the road for me and I would say they've been tough to navigate. Let's put it another way. When you do come to this fork in the road, as we all do, We have to make decisions on which route to take, whether that's in the small things or the big things. What guides your decision making? I've reminded myself a lot recently, what we have already read in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And lean not on your own understanding. In all, all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Is that the verse we use as a roadmap for our life when we come to a fork in the road? In every decision, every choice we make, are we putting God first and asking Him to show us the way? Are we looking god's way or our way what are we doing are we choosing to go through this life without him when he so lovingly died on the cross for us i want you to keep that fork out all this week that you went and got put it somewhere where you're going to see it hang it up on a hook or tie a piece of string around it but leave it so that you can see it And every time you see it this week, I want you to think this. Am I on the right path? Is this the path God wants me to take? And am I heading in the right direction? Amen.